Wow, do we have something to tech about, where every episode focuses on ways students create digital evidence of active learning. As a Google for Education district, students and educators alike have free, unlimited access to apps that support creativity, collaboration, communication, and critical thinking, all elements of 21st century active learning. We are Google for Education certified trainers, Drew and Angie with Something Something to to Tech About. Welcome. In today's episode, we will focus on three ways to package student learning experiences to help empower student choice through learning menus, choice boards, and HyperDoc. There are so many reasons to shift to a learning environment that provides students with the opportunity for greater choice. And Angie's going to tell us a little bit about... Yeah. yeah. John Spencer, author of the book Launch, wrote a blog called Seven Things That Happen When Students Own Their Learning. And we give you the link to that in our show notes. Um, His number one reason to provide choice is to bring back the love of learning and Mm. really get kids interested in that second level of that curiosity, you know, asking a question, finding the answer for it. And that's what learning is all about. So he tells us that when students choose how they show mastery of a standard, or even choose how they direct their learning, their level of engagement just goes through the roof. I can see that happening because when you carefully craft learning experiences to ensure that no matter what decision the students make, um, they're going to encounter the rich content that they need in order to um, meet the learning goal that the teacher has set forth. Yeah, I, I listened to um, an ed tech leader one time talk about this. And there was a big debate about, well, how do you know if the students choose the thing that's difficult enough for them? What if they just start picking the easy things? And what she noticed was that when you give students choice, they're going to self-navigate to the thing that really does best suit their learning interest, their learning level, and their learning style. So you wouldn't really have to definitely put the students in groups and assign it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It'll happen naturally if you craft something carefully. Right. Agreed. Okay, Angie, so why not let's just jump into the, to today's episode. Sounds good to me. Be our guest. Do you have something to tech about? Consider joining us as a guest speaker to share what's happening in your classroom, your favorite tech resource or tool, ways technology has been beneficial for you and your students, or anything else you would like to tech about. Visit our website at www somethingtotechabout.com and submit the guest speaker Google form. Angie, I know you're a big fan of our first resource, and that is Learning Menus. True story. (laughs) And the great thing about this is that teachers have lessons and activities already built, right? Absolutely. So the question is, how can you take that pre-existing information and redesign it to incorporate more choice for the students. Yeah, that's going to be a big part of our conversation today. Teachers have the content and learning menus help package it. So you get to design lots of little pieces of activities that can then all relate to the standard so that by the time the student finishes a learning menu, they've actually done all of the work or their choice of the work, and the teachers have the opportunity to move about the classroom. And I think one of the first things the teachers or educators are going to hear from that, oh gosh, more time to create something else. But it may take a little bit of time, but again, you still you already have that content, but the time invested is going to pay off in the long run. 
Exactly, because when you start losing, losing, when you start using learning menus in your classroom, the students are doing the work. You've done your job ahead of time. You'll maybe start the lesson with a mini lesson of some sort or a whole group sort of conversation, and then students get to work. You then have the opportunity as the educator to walk around, facilitate conversations, and the work as it's happening. Mm -hmm. Building relationships, getting to know the students, and really getting to know what their abilities are in a one-to-one type situation. Exactly. Um, And these are highly editable to however you would want them to be designed to meet the learning needs of your students. The complexity can change on grade level and or content. And these learning menus are suitable for, I I would say, all grade levels. I think so. Yeah, just depending on the content that you're adding. If you're middle, high, um, your content will be a little bit more advanced. If you're kindergarten, you might have um, a lot of pictures. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing we wanted to share with you today is... um, a learning menu based on the concept of a restaurant menu. So everyone's familiar with going to a restaurant, ordering off a menu. They typically have things like, you know, appetizers, entrees, desserts. And a structure like that helps students as well as teachers as you're building them um, know that the appetizers are going to sort of be, well, those might be a shorter activity. But very relatable to to students. Yes, because they know that's not the big piece mm-hmm. of the, the learning opportunity here. We're going to get started with appetizers. This might be something interesting, you know, kind of get them ready to learn the hook. So what sorts of things would you include on an appetizer list? Oh, gosh, I, I w- first things that come to mind are videos, YouTube videos or any video, maybe a reading selection, maybe a teacher-created you know, video, Screencastify or something that we've talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, just anything to pique the student's interest and think, oh boy, I really want to learn about this. Right. I like that idea. And or giving them um, a Google search, an answer, a question to answer that they can't really get the answer to just by typing the question True. in the Omnibox. Yes. They're going to have to dive a little bit deeper to figure that out. Yeah. And that helps bring in the four C's. Absolutely. <laughs> So um, we always want to keep those in mind also. All right. So moving on to the good, the, the good, good part of the meal, yeah, the, the meat, entree, the meat and potatoes, Absolutely. right? Yeah. This is where the learning experiences get deeper. Mm-hmm. Probably higher DOK. There's not one right answer. And DOK, you might want to. Depth wanna, yeah, of knowledge. Depth yeah, it's a big deal in Savannah. Yeah. Um, depth of knowledge. So getting students to be able to really dive in and not know that they're just finishing a worksheet right that's going to be an easy answer key some examples yes so they've been they've had the dessert or the appetizer, the appetizer. pardon me Unless so their interest is peaked and they're they're ready to dive in and if you're gonna um, look at the depth of knowledge some of the things that the students could participate a debate Right. That really brings out a lot of thinking for the students so that they're actually really having to dive deeper in a particular subject area or content or topic and really know what they're talking about. What they're it's, talking it's very, about. It's very mm-hmm. evident. If you can't participate in the, in the debate, then you have not done the work to defend mm-hmm. one side or the other. Mm-hmm. So your favorite part, Drew, the learning menu is the dessert. dessert. Especially it includes chocolate, but okay, that's another story. Um, I still, you know, if um, I like the desserts because this is like the cherry on top of the entire learning menu. It um, kind of wraps things up for the students, what they've um, 
they've had the appetizer, they've created their entree, worked through those, and now you can think of it as what are they going to do with what they, what they with did? All that? Yeah. So this would be their opportunity to share. Yeah. Maybe publish, create something pretty cool to get out into the community or maybe the teacher's website or maybe their own website mm-hmm. for that matter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to, to have the opportunity to publish what they've already learned is, is pretty amazing. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. So take that production and, and put it out there for a wider audience. Right. I'm not just building this for my teacher. Right. I'm building this or learning about this and I get to have feedback from other people. Perfect. Yes. So we do recommend that if this is your first go at using um, a learning menu, you may want to start small. Absolutely. Uh, Maybe (laughs) start with just a couple of choices for an appetizer. And as students become accustomed to that type of format and what's expected, um, later on, you can add your entree and then end up with a dessert. (laughs) Yeah, so start as a as a tapas restaurant, perhaps everything is an appetizer <laughs> and go from there. <laughs> okay. um, so if you'd like some templates and ways to get started using learning menus, we do have them in our show notes at www.somethingtotechabout.com. The International Society for Technology in Education, ISTE, is a nonprofit organization that serves educators interested in the use of technology in education. Visit www.iste.org for student and teacher technology standards and resources for integrating technology in your classrooms. So, Drew, you played tic-tac-toe as a kid, I'm sure. I even play it every once in a while as an adult. (laughs) Yes. Um, Our next choice board is a tic-tac-toe board. Um, How would that differ from the restaurant learning menu? Good question. Um, Your learning menu, or not yours, but the menu that was talked about earlier was based on a restaurant menu, right? This actually kind of gamifies the learning experience by using a tic-tac-toe board, kind of helps pique the interest of the students because that is a very familiar game. Um, So the tic-tac-toe is set up that allows them to uh, practice the skills they've learned in class or to demonstrate um, or extend their understanding of certain standards. And I think one of the things we have to keep in mind when we're talking about all these choice boards is to... This isn't extra work. This is the work for the students. Right. So this is instead of uh, maybe me coming in and doing a lecture and saying, I know everything there is to know about, I don't know, the Revolutionary War. Exactly. So, you know, building that tic-tac-toe, you can build in the choice. So I've seen one of these tic-tac-toe boards, and I've used one myself. And Mm -hmm. it's, um, if you don't have it in your mind yet, listeners, it's basically a Google Doc or a Google Slide, for that matter. It could be any platform and it's set up as a nine by nine no it's not a three by three (laughs) square correct and then in each square are activities for students to do Mm -hmm. so if you have that vision in your head of the three by three then this the teacher would or the designer the educator is going to go through and assign not assign design design (laughs) activities to do and then the students would get to choose in which direction they were going to play tic-tac-toe right 
Exactly. And, uh, you know, three across, three diagonal, that can be determined by the teacher or whoever's designing it. But we have to keep in mind that we want to make sure that we are giving our students those choices. So take, for instance, if the the center of the Mm tic-tac-toe could be a Uh, a must do and then no matter what direction the students traveled in order to try to complete their tic-tac-toe that they're still going to be getting the necessary information in order to meet that learning goal for that particular tic-tac-toe board. I like that and I have seen a teacher use a tic-tac-toe board where the center piece was a um, it was a playlist and the students had to go in and watch a bunch of videos about a particular topic. And then in order to make their tic-tac-toe diagonally going out, some of the squares around the perimeter were blue, mm-hmm. and all of the blue activities had a certain feature, like maybe those were the online or the digital content type activities. And then around the other side of the perimeter, those squares were yellow. And those were things that students could do maybe in a pencil, paper-pencil type activity. So in one choice board, one tic-tac-toe board, you got a lot of different variety. And no matter what choice the students made, because the teacher designed it such, they would make. I really like the paper pencil because a lot of people think that, okay, I've got to get technology and kids are no longer need to pick up the paper and pencil. But there's certainly times that call for paper pencil or, you know, reading a textbook or, you know, actually turning the page (laughs) and, and things like that. So, yeah, it's I the like right that. tool for the right time, you exactly. know, depending on what's important. I mean, you could structure those squares around the outside any way you want. Mm-hmm. Some could have a slant toward ELA. Some could have a slant toward math. So some yeah. could be artistic while others are more math-based. Exactly. So, like yeah, that. you could combine, you know, that's your, um, oh, I'm losing my words. What do you call it when they put... Uh, Use more than one content area? Kinesthetic? No, no, no. No, that's... Cross-curricular? Cross-curricular. There you go. So, um... You were using your hands, so that's why I was going with kinesthetic. (laughs) So, cross-curricular. So, you could cover, you know, one, two, three, four subjects in one tic-tac-toe board, if that was the purpose. I do like these because... Just like with the learning menu, you can differentiate by modifying um, the complexity of the tasks. You can differentiate by um, changing the learning styles. Are they kinesthetic learners? Are they audio learners? Are they visual learners? And apply those types of uh, learning styles to the tic-tac-toe board that um, give students uh, choice as well. The thing I like about it? And this is something that didn't happen for me as a student. The practice of making decisions Mm. and looking at a tic-tac-toe board with nine activities on them and knowing that I got to choose and wrestling with that decision of which one was I going to do, maybe which one was I most comfortable with or which might be more challenging, but then being okay with it didn't matter which one I chose, it was I was still going to learn what I needed to learn. It was okay. So it gives students that opportunity to start making decisions at a really young age. And hopefully when they grow up as adults, you know, they can go, I don't know, buy jeans without having a friend with them, you know, that easy. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. Um, That, that student responsibility for their own learning, taking that responsibility. And then that serves, like you said, it, it will serve them later on in life. I haven't, particularly seen a teacher use this recently in class um, when I was in a classroom and teaching um, a gifted resource class I used tic-tac-toe menu with 
the different multiple intelligences, gardeners' multiple intelligences, so that they kind of found out what type of learners they were. Based on participating in the different activities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we used one at something called Thrive. We had teachers um, learn about Google Chrome by participating in a a tic-tac-toe board. So no matter what activity they chose, they were going to learn more about their Google Chrome browser. Than we could ever ever teach them standing up there, right? Exactly. (laughs) They don't want to listen to us for 50 minutes. So since this type of um, tic-tac-toe board can be adapted to fit any content, the possibilities are certainly endless for classroom use from the elementary science teacher, I don't know, to the high school art teacher, just depending on what you need to do. Be sure to visit our show notes. Exactly. We've got two templates waiting for you there. We have a learning menu template as well as a tic-tac-toe template for you to go ahead and get started with this right away. And add to our comments on our show notes at somethingtotechabout.com and give us something to tech about. Have a comment? Well, you've listened to the podcast. Now visit our corresponding show notes on our website, www.somethingtotechabout.com, and leave your comments, questions, or aha moments. Our first two resources today were basically choice boards, and now we're going to develop some different types of learning adventures with HyperDocs. You, Drew, um, you've been talking about HyperDocs for years now, and I know you're just chomping at the bit to talk about these I today. <laughs> I, I jumped on the bandwagon right off the bat when I first heard about HyperDocs, and a lot of people asked, well, what, what are exactly are HyperDocs? Well, pretty much by name only, mm-hmm. it's a Google Doc with hyperlinks. However, when you start Uh, learning more about HyperDocs, you find out that that is not the case. That is a name only. HyperDocs are designed as learning um, opportunities that encompass the entire learning cycle into one um, Google document for this particular um, example. It's it's all about packaging and how you want to present it to the students. In order for them to, you know, if it's science, what, you know, what are you wanting them to get out of the science? Package it so that the students are interested right off the bat and package it so that the choices are there. But again, those choices get students to the point where the teacher needs them to be. So what might one look like? So Mm. right now in my head, I see um, a hyperdoc. So there's a, a file of some sort. And we'll use document for the sake of conversation. When I open it up, what can I expect if I'm a student? Well, luckily, there's this, I think there's three ladies. They're called the HyperDoc Girls. And they are actually the creators of the phrase HyperDocs. And luckily for all educators, they maintain a HyperDoc. Um, website that houses templates and um, resources and pre-made HyperDocs. But a general template, and this is what I used when I first dove in, because one, it was the shortest, and I thought I could get my feet wet with just a simple HyperDoc template. And it's basically a table, Okay. okay? And on one side, you have what the teacher wants or what the teacher is providing the student with in order to learn about yeah the content um so there's an explore so again almost going back to the appetizer it's Mm -hmm. the teaser the you know the carrot dangling to get them excited the hook and then once they explore what do 
you want them to produce after that. So there's an explore on one side of the ta- um, table, and on the right side of the table is the task. So they correspond to each other. And I want to chime in here because everybody, this is where I failed at my first hyper doc <laughs> design event. I thought I had something amazing. I brought it over to Drew and said, look at this. I'm so proud of it. And she's like, no. Oh. You <laughs> <laughs> said, no, that's not it at all. I said, yes, they're exploring. Look at all these cool things I have them exploring. They've got a playlist. They've got this. They've got that. They've got a book to read. They've got all these things. And she said, but what are they going to do? I'm like, they're going to explore. That's the thing they're doing. They're exploring. She said, no, 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 no. Accountability. They have to have something to do. Once they explore, they have to have a task. They have to show the teacher that, hey, they actually got something out Mm -hmm. of that exploration. Exactly. So So it's not a free-for-all exploration. No, it's not. Um, There is a purpose for each section, you know, the explore. What's the task? The next section is, okay, explain. Take what you've explored and then explain that however the teacher needs them to explain it. And then there's a task. And then lastly, how are they going to apply it? So the teacher provides the content, and then on the other side of the table, this is the task that the students complete in order to apply the knowledge that they've gained going through this hyperdoc. Lots of examples for task. Um, uh, I know when we've presented hyperdocs, some of the tasks that we have teachers do is like a tweet deck, which is simply a Google slide. And so let's just say they watched a video about hyperdocs. Their task was in what is what's the how many characters for Twitter now? It used to well, be it used to be 140. Now I think they're up to 220. Two. Oh wait, we're getting some signals. Two two forty. Okay, so two forty. So that kind of helps them focus what they're going to be replying right. so and it's and it brings in the social media and and stuff like that so yeah taking your learning and then bringing it into 240 characters definitely you've got to know what you're talking about so you can summarize it that quickly mm-hmm. and, and just don't fall into the trap of watch this and then answer these questions do this and answer these questions because how interesting is that exactly and that's where- just basically making a worksheet digital right i'd much rather maybe view some resources or do some research or find some information and then build something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. something really interesting using the four c's using my creativity you know communicate something to a wider audience um solve a problem use my critical thinking skills to figure something out but yeah to fall into a trap of do this then answer this online quiz that's just substituting a piece of paper Correct. With a Chromebook or Correct. whatever. And, and that doesn't enhance learning. No. No. Just I'm bored just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be experienced because a good hyperdoc needs to be experienced before you can really create one. So I would, you know, suggest visiting um, hyperdocs.co and checking out those hyperdocs that are already there. Yes, and join the communities online. Mm-hmm. Um, use your teacher colleagues to look at your hyperdoc before you give it to students, like I did with Drew, because hopefully you have somebody in your world that can look at your work and say, wait a minute, what's where? what are the students doing that's even complex here? You know, mm-hmm. where's their thinking really going to be challenged? So right. share the learning, share the love. Yeah, and be even, honest with each other. True, and and what, one of the great I'm kind of going back to the Hyperdoc girls. One of the main things they created this website is for sharing all the resources, the templates, the pre-made um, Hyperdocs are there for the taking, so you don't have to start from scratch. So that's a 
definite plus. Yeah, and, and being able to see examples. So if you don't really have it in your head right now, what might one look like? Definitely go and visit what's already existing. Okay. And then also be sure to visit our show notes at somethingtotechabout.com and you will find the resources that kind of go right along with what we've been talking about. Absolutely. If you have any questions, go to somethingtotechabout at gmail.com. Send us an email with your questions. Add them to the comments on our show notes and we look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, we'll proofread one. (laughs) We're not going to write it though. (laughs) Connect with us. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at ST Tech About. Be sure to subscribe to Something to Tech About on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify, or listen from the podcast collection from Savannah Morning News. <sighs> we talked about some great resources, okay, and um, we want to let our listeners know that it doesn't matter if you have a situation where you're one-to-one with the technology or if your students have uh, the bring-your-own-device or you just have a few devices. Yeah, because we, we do have a lot of classrooms, at least in our district, where you, there's a variety of situations. We have some classrooms that where every student has a, a Chromebook, or mm-hmm. I should say there's enough for every student. And then there's others where there's three or four desktops in the in the room. So, right. so it just depends on how the teacher wants to get these um, choice boards, learning menus, and hyperdocs to the students, groups, whatever, small groups, partner groups. It, it is certainly doable no matter the number of devices. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Okay. And, and also probably don't feel pressured that you have to finish a learning menu in one one class period or even one day, depending on if you might be elementary and you've got your kids all day long, or if you might be a high school teacher and you have them for 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. A learning menu choice board or hyperdoc could take several class periods, a whole week. You could even encompass an entire unit of study into into some of those. So very true. Gives you lots of variety, lots of options. Indeed. That's a wrap. This completes episode four of Something to Talk About. And um, we shared three ways for empowering students' choice with the use of technology. And um, please visit our show notes to go grab the templates that we've got there waiting on you. Yeah, we hope we've piqued your interest enough to at least come over there, take a look, and give these a try with your students. Um, And maybe you've already used learning menus or choice boards or hyperdocs in your class. Um, We'd love to hear from you if that's the case. So head on over to the comments of our show notes at somethingtotechabout.com and give us something to talk about. (laughs) 